0: Welcome to This Is Why I Teach, a podcast series highlighting Kentucky teacher voices and stories produced by Go Teach KY and the Kentucky Department of Education. My name is John, and I'll be your host. Today, we welcome Catherine DeVallier with Russell High School with Russell Independent Schools. Good morning, Catherine. Thank you for joining us.
1: Good morning, and thank you for having me.
0: Good to have you here. So jumping right in, why and how did you pursue a career in teaching?
1: Education was very important to my parents. My parents are from Puerto Rico. And so at the time when they were growing up, my dad worked on a farm, my, the family farm. And so there was 12 of them. And, you know, and that was what you did. My mom went to school. And then, of course, when a lot of people started coming to New York City, which is where I'm originally from, they kind of left to come work. So it was, it was all about working. So they didn't finish their education. My dad I think finished maybe to fifth grade. My mom graduated high school. And so for them, it was really important. They gave their own children an education. And so that was something that they sacrificed to make sure we got a good education. And for them, knowledge was power. So if you had a great education, you had a good education, you're going to be able to do something. And being a teacher, in our culture is something that they really look up to. And so at first I really thought I had thoughts of becoming a veterinarian and my parents didn't see that as a profession that was, you know, looked up to kind of. And when I said, and then the more I thought about it, I became a Spanish teacher because my language and my culture I was able to share. I want. I really wanted to share that. And the more I got into my Spanish classes and learning more and more stories and books and reading literature and learning about other Spanish-speaking countries and their cultures, it really did make a large impact on me. And so I decided that I wanted to share my culture and my language with more students. And so it became part of what I want to do with it. And I, I believe teaching is a calling. I wanted to inspire my students. I wanted them to gain appreciation of different countries, of uh, languages, of different culture. I really wanted them to become linguistically and culturally proficient. So, you know, that, that really is one of the big things as to why I went into teaching Spanish specifically.
0: Oh, thank you, and yeah, World languages is not just about learning how to conjugate a verb in a different language. It's it's learning about cultures. And I taught food science and nutrition and culinary arts. And one of the best things I did was the co-curricular stuff that I did with my world language teachers when we would prepare traditional dishes and talk about them and talk about their origins and things like that. What's one thing you wish you had known when you began your
1: career? I guess things like Teaching a language at the time, you know, there wasn't a lot on how to teach language. I went to Hunter College in New York City, which is very well known for their education program. And even trying to teach a language, a foreign language, world language, it was called a foreign language before, now we call it world language. And so that was, that in itself, just knowing what to do, and even my student teaching taught me a lot my student teaching was a little bit of a surprise to myself and i knew if i even my professor said if you stay there then you're good to go forever you know as a teacher i walked into a public school in new york city and my um my working teacher was nine months pregnant and she was getting ready to uh have the baby and it was almost spring break and she was there for about a week with me and then at the when spring break came back there was no teacher there And so I had to finish the rest of my student teaching with subs and in a public school, that was getting ready to close down with all kinds of things going on around me. And so my professor said, you are baptized in fire at this point. You will teach what you want and you can teach wherever you want because you've made it through with everything. So like, had I known even that for student teaching, but going into, of course, going into any other school, it really is just about the atmosphere of the school, knowing that when you go in and everything else. For me, my students are all, they all had the ability to learn. So any student that I had, I always saw an ability to learn. I believe I had them believe in themselves because I believed in them and maybe they didn't learn the same way, but they could learn. I moved from New York city to West Virginia and some places where I applied for positions. They asked me, how are you going to teach the kids here? where you're coming from, you know, a city and and a big city to a a rural. And I thought, kids are kids. And, you know, so knowing that ahead of time, kids are kids. And every student has an ability to learn. I think had they just said that, keep telling new teachers that. Every student has an ability to learn. Maybe not the same way, but they can. You have them believe in themselves and you believe in them as well.
0: Thank you. That's a great story. I love the baptism fire story. I always love hearing this. What is one common myth about teaching that you would like to debunk?
1: Teachers have the summers off. I would love to have a summer off completely, like without doing anything with regards to teaching, but that's not gonna happen. They don't realize, people don't realize that we do extra PD during the summer. So professional development is big because it's the time when we can. So I might spend a week doing you know, professional development, Teachers take students on trips here in the summer. And so again, that's your vacation time, supposedly to spend with your family, but you spend it right, vacation time. but you spend it with you know your students. So you know, a lot of things like that. They also don't they don't they think we're getting paid throughout the summer and you know it's not we're not getting paid throughout the summer. We're getting we might get our final salary at the end of June because that's the end of the year the school year. And then, you know, you have to wait until we start working again in August. So what happens in July is whatever money you save back and you've put back. And I don't think people realize that.
0: Yeah. Very common answer, by the way, to that question. What advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career in teaching?
1: As I said before, teaching is a calling. So you have to love what you teach. If you don't love what you teach, you're not going to do well. You know, you have lots of rewards of teaching, seeing the enthusiasm, the appreciation that that students have when you share what you love with them. They can tell when you love your content. They know it. Being able to shape students and helping them with their future. You know, when you see that light bulb come on, that, you know, proverbial light bulb everyone always talks about, you know, you're in the right place. And so to me, yeah. That going back to that teaching is a calling, you know. Some people say, "Well, go teach. Can't do something else. Go teach." And that's no, you can't say that. Teaching is a calling. You have to love what you teach. And so, to me, for a new teacher, that's it. somebody's looking into education to teach. You have to love what you teach, and you have to know that you—that's where you want to be.
0: Yeah, for sure, finding that content area that you have a passion for. This is very important. And yes, I love those aha moments. It makes all the struggles. Worth everything else. Uh, What are the best resources that have helped you out along the way?
1: Professional development, definitely. I will say that. When I first came to Kentucky from I came from New York into West Virginia and Kentucky, I think the professional, the organizations, the associations that you can become part of, I became part of the Kentucky World Language Association and have been part of that throughout my all my years here in Kentucky. This is my 27th year teaching. So that would be from New York, West Virginia, and into Kentucky. And the World Language Association, really, I've made friends through it, contacts, networking. And that's really the big thing is to make sure you make a good, have a good network of other teachers because, you know, you get ideas from them on what you want to do, what you can do. You know, you may not have even thought of something or maybe something you've, you're thinking of doing in your classroom and somebody says, hey, you know, I did that this way. And you go, you know what? I never even thought of it that way. So networking, becoming part of associations, all of those things are are really helpful and have been helpful to me over the years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those connections are really, really important. Tell me about a student that changed how you teach.
1: When I first started teaching, one of my students... I want to say a a bit of a hard head, didn't want to do anything, didn't want to hand anything in, don't know why I'm in this class, don't want to learn this subject. And so I kind of kept talking with him and asked what he liked. What are those things that he liked? And so when I found out, you know, he was into sports, I started putting that into my content. So Spanish. So let's talk about sports let's look at sports in other countries. What do they do? Let's talk about, you know, soccer or bullfighting. They love bullfighting. Lucha, the luchadores, you know, the wrestlers. So doing that helped him. And then he became more engaged in the class. He became part of the class and he was able to learn that way. You know, it it really, it was about reaching out so that you can pick something that he would be more engaged with in class.
0: Yeah. Great story. And and finding those relationships and differentiating our instruction to fit different students' needs. And differentiation can take all kinds of forms, including what you mentioned. That's great. Who are the three people who have been the most influential to you?
1: My high school principal, and I went, and you have to understand, I'm in New York City. So I went to a Catholic high school. So this was a nun. And so she said, she always told us that she did what she said and she, she meant what she said and she did what she, you know, and so most of us didn't really believe that she would do what she said she would do until graduation day. And she did, it was a graduation class prior to mine. She told them that they could not throw their caps in the air or she would come down off the stage and, and remove the person from graduation, which she did. And so only one student threw the hat up in the air because everybody else was, I think, too scared. And she did. She removed them. And the only thing was, because she had not said they would not get their diploma, she had to give them the diploma. But, you know, I realized when you say you're going to do something, you have to stand behind it. Because if not, they don't believe anything you say. You know, it's just all fluff. So that was one. Another teacher that I had in, I'd say, in middle school, you know, she always... She was just always kind. She was, always tells us to be kind to each other, try to help each other out. And so I always try to emulate that. And then my English teacher in high school, <laughs> she always, for her first day, she'd say, now, none of you are going to get 100 in my class. You're never going to see 100 in my class because that would mean you'd have to be perfect on everything you do. And I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect in everything I do. And so I always tell the kids, You know, you're going to do your best and even your best. There's going to be something maybe slightly wrong with it and it can use improvement. And that's what she wanted us to learn was there's always room to improve. So those would be the probably the three that I always try to follow those things.
0: Great. And yeah, those non-educators, man, don't want to mess with them because they will follow through. What teaching challenges have you faced during COVID-19 and how have you overcome them?
1: Well, obviously, there's no students in our building. And really, that has probably been the worst part of this whole thing, is not having your students. We started out with Zoom in the spring, and we were using that Zoom, and then we stopped with the Zoom, and then now we're using Google Meet. And I think the worst part is um, where the students, they don't have to have their cameras on. So you see these circles. You're teaching to circles, and when they do turn, like I've, I've had this past week, I've had what we've called mug parties. So everybody brings a mug and whatever, coffee, cho- chocolate, whatever they're drinking. And so everybody shows their mug to each other. So they have their cameras on and I get to see them. And so some of my classes, like my upper level classes, they'll keep their cameras on. And it just, it really does. I don't think they realize that like the tears that start to well up because I can see them finally. And, you know, and they're talking. So we just simply just talked about what we're doing for Christmas. You know, what are your traditions for Christmas this week? And we just had a very casual, it was so nice. And I just, I'm starting to tear up just thinking about the conversation and stuff and just telling them, I can't wait to see you in the new year. I can't wait. It's going to be like starting school all over again in August. And that, of course, with the content, you know, you're trying to get through content, but you know, you're also trying to, you don't know what's going on behind the other side of the camera with your students anymore. You know, you're not seeing them. So you're not really seeing them. You're not hearing them. You're not hearing what's going on, especially some of those kids that you know need that extra from you. And, but you, you can't reach out or some of them aren't even on and you don't know what's going on. So, you know, you can try calling, you could try messaging, but if they don't get back to you, you're just kind of like, OK, what's going on with this kid? That's probably been the hardest, the really hardest, is not having those kids and, and not having them with you and not having them in front of you. You know, we try to go through daily. The school's just empty and it's, it's so, it feels like it's like during the summer when there would be no kids, but it's just been going on for so long that you're kind of like, OK, I'm done with this. Please bring my students back to me.
0: Yeah, that, that's been a very common theme is the missed relationships. But, uh, but you know, it sounds like I, I love the, uh, the mug party. I love that idea. And, and getting something to get them to turn on their cameras and to engage with the face. Because we yeah, at the beginning of our interview, <laughs> getting your camera. On. Yeah, because when I conduct these interviews, I like to have the camera on so I can see who I'm
1: talking to. I had my, my one student, he, he actually messaged me and said, do you want me to bring a mug or you want to see my mug? And I said, Both. I said, you can make faces all you want on the camera. I don't care, you know, as long as I can see you.
0: Yeah, so important. And yes, it's been a real struggle. Catherine, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years?
1: Well, in five years, I plan on still being here at Russell. If I looked at it the way some would look at it, I have 27 years of experience of what? I would have been able to probably retire at this point. But I taught in other states, so in uh, ten years I will probably be retiring if I if I want. But don't know if I will. I, I've even considered still maybe moving into a different position, maybe into some sort of leadership position, and also considered even you know subbing afterwards, coming so I can come back or sub around me in other schools.
0: Oh, thank you, boy. Our, our time seems to have just flown by. Catherine, what final thoughts do you have for us?
1: I think for new teachers, they need to just love what you teach, get to know your students, get to make those relationships with them so that you can understand, you know, they're not all the same, but they all have the ability to learn. You know, you just have to find out how it is that they learn and believe in them. You can inspire them gain appreciation from them even, and learn things from them as well. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Don't be afraid to do that. You know, you don't know everything. And for you to be a good teacher, you have to let them see that you are human too. You know, you're not a robot. You're not a machine. So my name is Catherine Del Valle, and this is why I teach.
0: Well, thank you, Catherine, and thanks to our listeners. Be sure to be on the lookout for our next installment of This Is Why I Teach. And remember, a teacher affects eternity. They can never tell where their influence stops. Have a great day.